We're back at the U.S. Institute of Peace to continue our discussion on the role of governance in the prevention of violence and to fight violent extremism. In this episode, we discuss the challenges of democracy and governance work and how you build inclusion, especially amongst you. I'm Lauren Van Meter, Senior Advisor at the National Democratic Institute. Welcome to DemWorks. Once again, I am joined by Emna Jablawi, Jacob Bolbior, Samson Itoto, and Aluel Atem. I'd like to ask each of you a question about some of the challenges to building an inclusive democracy and invite the rest of you to also respond. So Samson, um, you've been a leader of the growing civil society activism in Nigeria and that's been demanding that the government be more transparent and accountable. And we're seeing this exact theme globally, that citizens are demanding accountability. What would you say to people that are demonstrating on behalf of accountability and transparency? What are the methods that are effective in moving governments towards reform, towards accountability? What, in your perspective, has worked? First is, uh, we need to revisit the concept of change and advocacy. That advocacy makes no sense if it's not effective. The reason why we're involved is to get change. And if you don't get change at the end of the day, then um, you need to revisit your, your tactics. One of the mindset or the paradigms in organizing is to adopt a very confrontational um, life um, approach towards this, this work. Um, and just tied to that is um, our own thinking that um, working with government or collaboration, collaborating with government is um, compromise. Um, that is not the case. Yes, there are exceptions, but we need to come to this work um, and, and with a mindset of achieving the overall good. And that overall good is how do we improve society. And government exists, presumably, to improve society. And so as we engage with government, we need to keep that at the back of our minds that we are all working towards the same goal and so government should be supported by providing solutions one of the one of the strategies we use um, in fostering change is to adopt a reformist approach um, in engaging government institutions because one it gives us access um, into those institutions the, our institutions are structurally um, designed to keep citizens out of engagement so access to information becomes a problem but if you adopt a reformist approach, and these institutions trust you, and there is mutual trust between both of you. They are more um, disposed to sharing information um, with you as, as a civil society organization. The second um, lesson from, from our, our work is to look at, to come to advocacy from a citizens-driven point of view that as an NGO or an organization who like speaking for the people, sometimes policy makers need to hear from the people themselves. So we should ensure that at the forefront of public discourse, you've got people who are there. And the third is about technology and the role that social media plays in organizing. And the Not Too Young to Run movement is a classic example of how social media was used as a tool of one, asking difficult questions to our public um, leaders, but also promoting transparency. And so you encourage people 
to either we to we um you know exposing corruption um one of the examples we have was in one of the states in one of the local governments where we we're conducting social audits a primary healthcare center had never received attention by the government but because we trained um, citizens in the local communities to perform social audits they were able to expose that primary health care center that one didn't receive um, med, um, um, drugs and there were no the the um, personnel that were recruited to man those stations actually were not coming to um, to work but as a result of that citizen's action um, taken by the citizens and members of that community there was a response from the state so for us uh, lessons learned is there is need to empower people that this change that we desire is going to be led is going to be driven by the people and not necessarily we organizations and for us we are nothing but catalysts and enablers of change and the real change agents are the people and we need to focus attention on how we continually empower those people so we don't become the same bureaucrats that threaten their growth and prosperity. Jacob, I'd like to pick up a little bit on Samson's um, call to citizens um, and how often even civil society can stand in the way of citizen access. Um, one of, I think, the challenges in working with youth is that we often come and engage youth groups from our own interests, um, from our own programming. Can you talk a little bit about how important it is to meet youth where they're at and how your org organization engages and celebrates these young people's voices, um, especially through, through art? Is it an important avenue for youth engagement? Thank you uh, so much. I think Samson actually uh, broke it down clearly. And uh, I think some of these organizations and uh, uh, civil society organization and uh, youth groups need to stop the idea of just thinking that uh, we are the voices of the voiceless you know definitely there's no one who's voiceless and we need to uh, get down to the idea of thinking that you know we're just here to amplify you know the voices of the citizen so when in whatever you do you need to get down there talk to the citizen themselves the youth group wherever they are as you have mentioned uh, to be able to kind of like design the concept or the policy that they want to be implemented uh, up on that table that you get the chance to sit but not just ideas that I as Jacob just you know decide from wherever I am and think these are the ideas that you know that that youth are talking about that my personal ideas I don't know whatever in my country I am based in Cuba I don't know whatever uh, youth in maybe Uror or in Akobo or Bentiu or maybe in Bor you know, think is the best way to go about, you know, because we have different issues and different ideas. So it's good for each and every one of us as a civil society organization and activists to be able to collect these youth voices. And how, how have we done that? As Taban, we have uh, created uh, different chapters, not only in Juba, but, uh, and not only in South Sudan, actually, but throughout the region. You know, we have chapters in, in Uganda to be able to also collect the voices of the refugee youth, you know, who are displaced and, you know, they're kind of losing the, that hope because they have been subjected to living as refugees for, uh, for years, 
you know, you come back to your country and again, there's war and you, you run back to, to a different country. So basically, it's, uh, it's good to get to the grassroots and be able to listen to their voices and sometimes, you know, get them together, bring them to the same platform and be able to, you know, to share uh, their ideas in, in, in a way that, you know, uh, they can harmonize and the uh, collective voices of the youth in the country and then you can present them forward. Because if they don't have that chances and you are not, you know, able to collect these voices, then you are just being another bureaucrat who kind of, you know, use your own ideas to think that these are the ideas that represent uh, the youth or the citizen of that country. So we need to kind of also look at our strategies and find uh, good ways of approaching these young people. And you know, with art, we can we 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 make people express themselves. Because if you go to a society and maybe present uh, prevent, present an issue, maybe a theater or you know a forum theater, and it gets people to talk, present a problem that they are facing, don't <laughs> give them the solution, and then engage with them, let them bring up their ideas, you know, on what they think could be the the solution to that problem. Picking up from there, you know, you can take these ideas and bring them uh, to the table where maybe decisions are made. Uh, that uh, affect the lives of these young people. We'll be back after this short break to discuss why women are excluded from emerging political regimes even after they deliver the peace. For more than 35 years, NDI has been honored to work with thousands of courageous and committed small-D Democrats around the world to help countries develop the institutions, practices, and skills necessary for democracy's success. For more information, please visit our website at www.ndi.org. Before the break, we were discussing the challenges of youth engagement in politics, continuing on the theme of inclusion. LOL, one of the paradoxes of conflict is that women often find agency um, during those times that communities shift and women often enter leadership roles and that we have certainly seen in many countries around the world, Liberia, Sudan, that women deliver the peace. <clears throat> However, they are then often excluded from the political settlement and regime that emerges after the conflict. What are you doing now in South Sudan to ensure that women are an enduring voice in delivering the peace and in the political system that follows? And what more can the international community do to preserve women's place? Right now, from my organizational level and also the group that we're in, is the women are forming forums, women are forming coalitions, and women are forming networks that are enabling them to occupy spaces or send representatives to spaces as a body as opposed to an, in, uh, an individual organization. And this is something that really worked very well for women in the civil society space during the revitalized peace negotiation process. Uh, about 40 women organizations came together and formed the coalition. And for that, they were able to send a representative that sat at the table uh, during the negotiation process, was able to sign, and when mechanisms were uh, uh, created, they had to pick representatives from different coalition uh, members to actually sit at some of these boards and influence decisions that have been made, which wasn't the case with the previous peace agreement that was signed. So it opened up space uh, for people to participate, not just as civil society, but specifically as women. Uh, what I think the international community can do is often when people are 
negotiating peace, the focus is on warlords and people that, you know, caused the trouble in the first place. And when you center the decisions on the voices of those, what you're doing is you're excluding anyone that didn't pick up a gun to go to, to the bush. And that will mean women, uh, obviously. So I think there's need to actually open up uh, peace negotiation processes to have more civilian voices on the table as opposed to to military generals and arms that and, and soldiers that were the ones that were disrupting the system and i think the international i think the international bodies ha actually have an opportunity to do this and uh, lobby and advocate that a lot of you know youth representatives and women groups in various spaces are actually included in some of these negotiation process because that's how they get to design programs that are responsive to the needs of those segments of the population thank you hello Emna, picking up on the theme of women and inclusion, you work with both communities, with both youth and with women's groups. Often when international partners engage in this space, um, they, in many ways it's competitive, um, that you either engage youth or women, or youth and women are lumped into one group as if their inclusion needs and challenges are, th are the same. Can you talk a little bit for, as an organization that works um, with both groups, um, how do we break down these barriers to participation by youth, um, by women, without placing them in competition with each other for resources and support? And how can implementers better support their different paths to inclusion? So thank you for uh, your question, uh, Lauren. It's it's a very valuable uh, one, and uh, I, I I maybe jump on your remark on the challenges because I think this section is among the challenges that we face, and one of our challenges is that after almost nine years of trans transition in Tunisia after having gained some freedom of association rights, there is some uh, recessions on uh, uh, civil society uh, activity rights. Uh, as we see that the political actors are becoming weaker and that we are having also some populist movements even like, like um, we, we see it in other um, countries in the world, the, the political actors are seeing uh, the civil society actors as competitors. So our challenges are more between uh, NGOs and political actors. And as they are the one who put laws, uh, fiscal laws and uh, the law that organize our um, uh, our uh, the, the life of civil society actors, they are in a way trying to narrow our the weight of of, of our action, and we see that there is no uh, uh, encouragement. On the contrary, they are in a way pushing us with the very hard fiscal disposition, with uh, pushing uh, 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 us in a way out of the space of the action. So this is one of the challenges. The second one is also among, let's say, international funders. Sometimes we see, uh, we, we usually 
uh, read that there is uh, um, a big support to local community activities or actors to the the, the most vulnerable actors but in a way uh, the, the the global crisis brought uh, uh, um, another fact which is you know sometimes mm, making the local actors the the most vulnerable in this uh, new paradigm because uh, as we see that uh, the funders sometimes are more uh, have are having confidence more in their NGOs, national NGOs, for example, some European NGOs are based in Tunisia or um, uh, American NGOs based in Tunisia, big ones, they are able to, to, to manage big funds. But in a way, uh, uh, it's it's enabling American and European NGOs, not really the local NGOs. Obviously, they are working with local actors, but it's maybe among uh, governance of, uh, um, how to say, managing big funds, uh, which is understandable, but sometimes it's, it's in a way really challenging uh, what we call the, 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 the goal, the final goal of the uh, uh, strengthening the sustainability of the local ac uh, uh, actors. Thank you all for sharing with us today your own stories and the challenges that you face. Demworks will be right back after this short message. And the question is whether any of our democracies, you know, the, from the United States to the Philippines, you know, to, to Bulgaria, um, can survive in a world where we no longer have a single national conversation, where people live and inhabit different echo chambers, um, where there is, a, there is no consensus about facts you know, where policy can be made on the basis of conspiracy theory or, you know, rather than on the basis of, you know, rational debate. And that is a question for all of us. You can hear more from journalist Ann Applebaum by listening to our DemWorks podcast available on iTunes and SoundCloud. If I could wrap up this podcast very briefly, what is the very brief advice that you could give to democratic activists globally who might be listening to this podcast? Mine would be making efforts to utilize uh, utilize and unlock local uh, resources in terms of expertise, in terms of knowledge, in terms of also local materials that people need to resolve their conflicts. And uh, that means centering the design of any kind of assistance around the people and their expertise with support from international bodies and not the other way around. Thank you, LOL. Jacob? I think my last message will be coordinating our uh, efforts together and learning from one another and uh, always uh, reaching out uh, to one another in whatever context we are in. We might differ in, uh, uh, in the process of achieving these uh, desired goals, but all in all, we have a common uh, desire that we all uh, are aspiring for, a democratic and just world that uh, each, and everyone won, uh, each and everyone of us won. But then, you know, we might have different approaches, but, you know, we can learn from those that those that have worked and those that have not worked. So you can try out whatever has been done in Tunisia, in South Sudan. And the same thing, you know, whatever has uh, helped in South Sudan can also be tried out in, uh, in Tunisia. And we need to keep on building our networks. 
as activists. Wonderful. Emna, I believe you have the last word. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, for, for me, it's, uh, it's uh, just to note that very rapidly that w w the work we do on women and uh, youth and peace is very uh, complementary and that we worked, for example, for a woman who was uh, talking about her son uh, dead in Iraq, but making the, the, how to say, the debates in the school. So for me, uh, making women as mothers or as activists, as peace ambassadors, like we call them in our platform, being leaders to make the prevention work with youth is very, very efficient. So for me, it's not a problem. My, my big recommendation for democratic actors um, uh, in, uh, among, uh, throughout the world is that uh, if we want to do prevention of violent extremism uh, um, in our area, if we talk about North Africa, West Africa, Middle East, it will be crucial to open a uh, free debate on the the mm, how to say the 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 limits or the borders between the the rights of uh, religious rights uh, 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 um, liberal Islam and the the the, the uh, when 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 some discourses biased discourses can be against freedom against uh, constitutions against rule of law and some some of this exists and I think that some some actors global actors feel embarrassed to open the debate uh, what is the relation between freedom and Islam. What is the relation between women and Islam? And if we handle some big project or some big conference on this, I think it will help uh, do some, some results on, on PVE work. Emna Jablawi, Jacob Bulbior, Samson Itoto, Aluel Atem, thank you for speaking with us today and sharing your experiences. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us. Please don't forget to share, rate, and review. I'm Lauren Van Meter, and you've been listening to Demworks. Goodbye.